Talk Recorded live. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the Softball Zone radio show. Today is May the 3rd, Tuesday night. Uh, you can always, you podcast listeners, will get a chance to listen. Uh, make sure you stop by the Softball Zone and drop a note and let us know that uh, you uh, listen to the podcast. And uh, so anyway, just kind of give everybody a little bit of an update on what's going on with the site. We're getting ready to move to a new server, and uh, that's all part of the new social site that we're going to set up, and uh, we'll be moving to a new server sometime next week. Uh, We'll probably have to have the site down most likely for maybe eight hours uh, on a Sunday evening uh, to make the transfer to a new server. The social site won't be launched at that time, but we, in order to do what we're going to do, we got to get in a bigger and uh, uh, a server that runs a lot quicker and faster to handle the workload. So anyway, Joe, glad to have you on tonight. How are you doing? Uh, good. How are you doing, Ricky? I'm not doing too bad. Your season wrapped up, and I see I seen your post on Facebook. I guess they only took two teams from your uh, your league, correct? Yeah, yeah, there's eight in our region, and uh, there are three leagues in the GMAC, which we're going to be in another year or two. Uh, typically only gets one, and uh, one team out of the eight. And usually the GLVC, which is Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, they'll typically get four and we'll typically get three. But this year uh, we only get two, and the GLVC got five. And uh, needless to say, I wasn't real happy about it because that kept us out of the tournament more than likely. So... Um, and we had a team pass us on the last week, and we were pretty disappointed. Yeah, it looked like to me if they took three that you would have got in. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, Ferris State and Ashland both had a shot, but I think it probably would have been us. And um, so it's pretty disappointing because we thought we had a pretty good shot when we watched the selection show yesterday morning, and all of a sudden they popped up Maryville, which is a fifth GLBC team. and. You know, I thought it would be us or Ferris State, maybe Ashland. So I was kind of shocked when it was Maryville, and uh, and uh, so there were five teams from that league and two from ours. And I don't know, you know, how this how it went down because it's kind of secret in the selection committee. But you know, we're supposed to be equally represented the, the different leagues, and um, clearly ours did not come through. Uh, you know, maybe you didn't get enough style points, Joe. I, I know. Well, we beat two of the three league champs. We beat Wayne State once and beat Trevecca Nazarene once, and Indianapolis beat us two to nothing. So, you know, I thought we had plenty of style points, but apparently not. Or, uh, you know, it, you never know what goes on. See, and unlike, say, NCAA Basketball Selection Committee, like Division One March Madness, which we're kind of all used to, um, unlike that, we have actual coaches in our leagues who, who pick who who decide who is going to be in our NCAA tournament. And a lot of things can enter. I mean, you have not really necessarily a formula, but you have criteria. But nonetheless, it comes down to, you know, at least somewhat of a subjective pick. And uh, there's a lot of different things can, that can enter into that, and, you know, a lot of politics and whatnot. And, and, but, and then what's frustrating is you, on, sitting here on the outside, you don't know and you can't find out. So it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, I mean, now you know, just from my perspective, you know, I, I know you're a male coach, and I don't really want to throw that out there, but I, you know, do you, do you think that that affects you any in any way? Because you know, uh, well, being a lady woman sport, and you're a male coach. I mean, there's a lot of great male coaches out there, so don't get me wrong, but you know, I've actually heard people say that uh, that can hurt. Yeah, I mean, I have no, I have no proof or even, you know, direct evidence. But I just know what I've heard, and I've heard, you know, for all league, all region teams, this type of thing that it can definitely hurt. Um, but you know, there's no way to prove anything. But I've heard it can really, really hurt. And you know, who knows? I mean, it's speculation. But one thing we do know is, you know, there are there are a number, you know, female coaches, athletic directors who do not believe that men should be coaching female sports. And that's an honest belief, and that's fine. But if you you know, if you take that belief and then you end up punishing those teams, then that's wrong. And, again, I have no way to prove that, but, but it's hard not to be suspicious, to be honest. 
Right. Yeah, a question was posed there in the chat board to you. Did going 0-2 in conference possibly keep you out of the regionals? Oh, yeah. If we would have won one game in conference, we would have definitely been in the tournament. We would have been in. The team that passed us in the GLBC went 1-2. and two. So the only conclusion you can draw um, was that, uh, you know, their one win on that last weekend um, you know, caused them to jump ahead of us. You know, we lost to Saginaw and Grand Valley, two very, very good teams. And, uh, you know, I guess you could make it. We don't know just how far they were behind us. Was it a scintilla or was it, you know, who knows? Um, behind us going into the week, but uh, their one win apparently got them in. And, uh, you know, we had a whole bunch of good wins on our resume. Um, so, you know, who knows? I'm not I'm not in the selection room, but it, it was pretty frustrating. And I know the coaches around our league who have been around a long time, each one of them told me they were pretty shocked that we didn't make it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at who you won against and who you lost against, I mean, I, I thought you beat the team you needed to beat. Well, you know, we swept Saginaw Valley, who's very good. We swept we swept at Ferris State. We swept at Tiffin. We split with Wayne State. We split with Ashland. I mean, Grant, the only team we did not beat in our league was Grand Valley. And, you know, they were something like 38 and 10 or, you know, something like that. So, and, uh, I mean, we beat Trevecca Nazarin, who won their league and is in it. So, I mean, I you know, we thought – we thought we did, but we, we also swept at Finley, who was a very good team. We thought we had a pretty good resume, and what are you going to do? I mean, that's, uh, you know, I don't know all the team that jumped us, Maryville, Missouri. I don't know their entire resume. Yeah, maybe theirs is better than ours, but uh, but what do you, I mean, it's, uh, we, we were really, really disappointed yesterday morning watching the selection show. Yeah, the, um, um, yeah, overall, I thought you had a really good season this year, so, it, you know, I, I was kind of – I actually thought that you would get in. So when I seen you post your post, I knew you didn't get in. I was like, darn it. <laughs> so, yeah, but, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the question is, you know, I know most of your listeners don't know all the GLVC teams, and they probably know more in the GLEAC since it's Michigan and Ohio. But, you know, is the GLVC that much better than the GLEAC where it's five teams and two? I don't think so, but, uh, you know, the, the the GLVC people in the meeting clearly won the day, and uh, and you know, they had the chairperson on the committee, and from what I gather, they tend to, they, they tend to rule the day, from what I'm told, you know, so it, it's frustrating, but, uh, you know, again, what are you going to do? I mean, we needed to, we needed to make sure that we beat either Saginaw and Grand Valley, and we didn't do it. Right, so... You know, Joe, you're getting ready to start uh, working on uh, recruiting again, right? You're getting ready to start. That's getting ready to well, start no, up. That never ends, so <laughs> there's no break from that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I I know that. Now, I was just, you know, I was on it just for uh, listeners that you could be a first-time listener or you don't know who Joe Abraham is. He is the head softball coach at Hilldale College and um they're called the Chargers and that's a division two school. Now um I was ta- we were talking about the NAIA schools and the subject come up how much scholarship money, you know, uh was available for them schools. And um, I told the individual, from my understanding, that they were allowed to uh, – they could have 24 roster players on their scholarship. Now, I know you don't know anything about – I don't know what you know about that, Joe, but do you know anything about the the junior school, the junior colleges and the NAIA well, I, school? Well, junior colleges I don't know, but the NAIA I – thought, I thought NAIA, NAIA softball – had up to 10 softball scholarships, but I'm not sure about that. I mean, you can roster, you know, at least some scholarship level, and we can too. I mean, we can roster 25, 30, whatever people. Scholarship. Right. Well, one, uh, one so. of, well yeah, but, I keep getting a clicking thing in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I got that, that too. Thing. I thought maybe I, maybe I hung up or something because I heard that too. Yeah, I have no idea where that's coming from. Good old talk to you. Well, I guess I shouldn't complain. I mean, it is free. So I'm not <laughs> complaining too much. But, you know, now, so 
NAIA, I just looked it up, it is, at least as of a couple of years ago, their maximum was 10 as to where ours at D2 was 7.2. But that that, that um, also takes into account, you know, not all NCAA Division II schools will give their program 7.2, and, and uh, not all NAIA teams will give their programs 10. That's just the maximum you can have. Yeah, I well, I was talking with somebody about that, and we were talking about that, and I and I told him I said, I I wasn't 100 percent sure, but I you know I brought that number up, and I don't even know where that number come from, but um, you know that was the number that I brought up, and I tell you what was kind of amazing that the amount of people that really don't know what's available out there. Um, you know, because it's everyone's always talking D1, D1, D1 all the time. And, you know, I imagine the truth be known, there's more girls not playing D1 softball than are actually playing D1. I know that's oh, yeah, kind of where far. everybody would like to go. <laughs> yeah, it's not even close. I mean, the overwhelming majority are playing D2, D3, NAIA, JC, community college. I mean, it's not even – I don't know the exact numbers, but just, I mean, just common sense tells you it's not even close. I think – there's a lot more Division three college softball teams than there are D1, I think. I'm not exactly sure of that. But, uh, you know, I think for Division two, there's two, 300 or something like that, or I think it's like 300 maybe, give or take a little. So, yeah, it, uh, yeah I mean, it's any particular – I always can't – I mean, I, I understand the dream of playing, say, at Ohio State or Michigan. I mean, anybody's going to understand that, but I still sometimes kind of laugh at, you know, those schools will get three, four hundred or however many people at their camps and, you know, maybe one or two are going to end up playing there. And, and you know, those of us at D2, we won't draw anywhere near those numbers, but the girls coming have a lot better shot to end up playing for us. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the things I wanted to kind of focus on, too, a little bit tonight was kind of talking about D1 schools and, and actually, you know, anything below D1. And because uh, this topic come up, and a friend of mine, his name is Frank, and we were talking about D1 schools and, you know, the opportunity that it gives males, okay, like they were really good athletes. Mm-hmm. And then he was telling me a story about someone that he knew that got, they got, I, I want to say he got 15% the first year, their basketball player, 25% their second, and then if they were still good enough to be on the roster, they got them at 60%. Well, we, what we started talking about was the fact that when he was talking to this friend of his, he said that he could have got and was a full ride at any D school he would have went to. Now, I, I don't know, but, you know, why would you accept, you know, partial – scholarship if you could go somewhere else and get your education paid for. To me, that just don't make a lot of sense. And I I imagine that happens in softball too, don't it, Joe? Well, yeah, but I mean, mean, there's, we all know in softball, and I assume it's the same in other sports, but certainly in softball, I mean, Division One is a lure. I mean, and I, I get it. I mean, you know, you, they're the top qualification and, you know, that's where, you know, a lot of girls most want to play if they can. I mean that's huge. It uh, I've coached Division two and three now, and so I know when I was D three, if a D two came along with an offer, I was probably going to lose. And now that I'm D two, if I make an offer and I'm battling a D three, I usually win that battle. And if a D one comes along, not always, but I usually lose that battle. So that's just the way it is. And um, uh, the uh, but you know it could also be it's a better fit, it's the education's better, you know that type of thing. It, it it's uh, I think. Of course, you have to take money into account, but man, if that's all you're considering, you're probably going to be unhappy at, at college if money's the only consideration. That that usually leads to unhappiness because you're choosing that over the best fit academically, socially, softball-wise, and it's just I just think that's usually a bad idea. Right. Yeah. Now, when you uh, you like you said, you recruit year-round. Um, how much traveling, Joe, do you think you're going to be doing this summer, going to showcases or events looking at girls? And one other question I have is this. Out of 
is there a number of how many girls you actually look at or have on your radar? Out of that number, how many of them players actually end up um, coming to your school? And what I'm trying to break it down to, like if you if you look at 25 or 30 kids that are interested in coming to that school to get their education, and they would like to, you know, hopefully play softball and get some scholarship money to help pay for their education. What is that end number? Would you say I, you know, like out of the, you know, if you look at fifty girls, how many girls are going to end up playing at your school? Yeah, um, you know, I've never really actually broken that down, but I'm just going to guess and say, um, oh gosh, you know, if I end up actually say going to tournaments in the summer and fall, and just say I, I'm there to see fifty girls, which I see certainly a lot more than that in the summer and fall, but to say it's fifty that I have on my list, I would estimate one or two maybe out of those 50 will wind up signing with us. You know, we want them and they want us and they something like that. Yeah, probably two out of 50, um, I would guess. Um, so if we, if we sign, say, five in an average year, you know, we've probably actually looked, not just communicated with, but, you know, looked at roughly 100, give or take a little. That's something so, around that range. So that would be like, you know, then people have contacted you, yeah, let you know that they're interested in that school, and you have a uh, mutual understanding that they're interested in your school, and, you know, you're kind of interested in them. Is that kind of how that goes? Yeah, that's more right. like, okay, okay. and you're, you're kind of interested in them. So then you will travel around and look at all these ladies um, throughout the summer, and by the time you're done with everything for that, um, you always re- you'll be recruiting for what for this year. How far advanced are you now? Um, well, we're we're not done with the 2017s, but we're pretty close. Um, so okay. this summer, I'll for the most part be looking at 2018s and 19s, um, but and still a little bit of 17s, but not. And you know, by the time June rolls around, we could be done with the 17s. I'm not sure. But um, but anyway, that so that's that's how far in advance. But yeah, I mean it's it's girls who we know are interested in us, and and ideally we know they have the ACT for us, which I waste mm, probably seventy. I probably waste seventy five percent of my time watching girls who are not going to end up getting the ACT that we need. Actually, I just for the two thousand seventeens. Um, in the last month, we've seen four or five pitchers fall through our fingers because none of them ended up getting the ACT and uh, you know I don't know if we would we might have gotten none of them but uh, we probably would have got one or two and not a single one got the ACT and I spent a lot of the last two years watching these girls so I end up wasting a lot of time you know it, it, I'm sure it's the same at other schools Ivy Leagues and all that you know we're watching them as sophomores and and they haven't taken the ACT but we we have to watch them and we just have to hope they get the ACT um, so I end up wasting most of my time, frankly, but still to get the people we want, you know, I've got to, I've got to watch a lot of games. So I'm out there all the time and you asked how much travel I'll do. Well, it's all the time. I mean, it's literally every weekend and, you know, now there's a lot of tournaments that start on Thursday, Wednesday. So it's that. And for the most part, I'll be around Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, but I think I'm going to go to Pensbury, their academic camp. I might skip Colorado this year since we're about done with 17s, but, uh, so I, I don't plan to do a lot of far away travel, but it's you know I'm driving all over Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, and you know I guess this year Pennsbury, and you know maybe Illinois, some I'm not sure, but uh, it's just nonstop in the summer, and then working camps and seeing girls at those too. Yeah. Um, so so while you know you really look at, you really look at a lot of ladies and, and communicate with a lot of ladies and get out there and see them participating and playing, so when it's all said and done, you know, you're looking in the 2 to 5% if you're lucky that actually end up maybe even coming to your school that you're seeing. I mean, that, that's a lot to look at. I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine doing that. But I wanted to point out something also to our listeners. that you know, if you go to the Hillsdale's site 
and get on the softball side of it. They actually have a thing there, which I thought was really nice. I, I don't know when they put that up because I don't remember ever seeing that, but they actually have a a recruiting spot where, you know, an athlete can fill out all the information and uh, even they can even add a picture of themselves if they want to and then they can submit it. I guess that stuff that information ends up going to you or does it go to the athletic director then to you or how's that <laughs> no, work, it, it, it comes straight to me. <laughs> if it went to the athletic director I might never I might never see it. But no, I mean I pretty much every school has that a quite recruiting questionnaire. And at least um at least I assume it's the same at other schools. At my school they fill that out. Once they hit submit it's going straight to me. And and if they're okay. too young, if if they're too young, I can't respond to it. But uh, if they're old enough, you know, I'll typically email them back, letting them know we got it, and hey, make sure you send me your pool play schedule for this summer each week, and all that type of thing. But it's be honest, it's hard for me, and I'm sure even even more so the Division One schools to keep up with the emails, especially you know us, all of us with some of the rain and weather we've had over the last month. We're playing games all the time, and we're getting so many emails. I mean, I'm. I was sitting down a little bit earlier tonight trying to go through some emails from the last couple of weeks to try to work my way through them, and you know, I'm just about a month behind. I just can't keep up with it, you know, even the ones that I'm allowed to respond to. It's just too hard to keep up with it all. So, you know, girls yeah. need to understand they may not get an email back from a coach, you know, even if they're old enough to get an email back from a coach. At this time of the year, we're just swamped with games, and, you know, we get home late, and it's like, am I really going to spend two hours you know, at 10 o'clock at night going through emails. So um, so girls need to be patient and not give up. Just keep emailing, be persistent. Right. Now, one of the things I, I did want to ask you, in your subject, you know, when you get an email, there's always a subject line, you know, that has a, you know, what the, what the email is about. Do you have any recommendations, Joe, that you would have a player put in that subject line? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought too much about that. So well, I want to get your attention. If I'm a girl and I'm emailing, yeah. I want to get your attention. Yeah, my suggestion would be, um, um, you know, two, 2018 pitcher, you know, whatever it is you are, interested in Hillsdale, for you know, say for me. Because that's going to tell me, all right, you've individualized this email and, you know, just to me or just to our school. Um, and that, you know, that, they'll often put their year in their position, but almost never, you know, something specific like, you know, I'm interested specifically in your school. So that, that's what I would do. Um, and, uh, you know, if you play, uh, you know, on the PGF national champion, Beverly Bandits, whoever it was, <laughs> that wouldn't hurt either, but, uh, but that's not going to be most girls. So something very specific, um, like that, I'm kind of looking at my email right now and right the last girl emailed last night put her name and her grad year okay that's fine so here's a couple others that did the same thing um and uh here's one let's just put uh um her name grad year power hitter slash catcher and dot 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 because it's a, there's not enough room for it all um here's another picture you know per, 2017 pitcher prospect, and I'm not going to say her name, but her name, 60-plus, and, you know, who knows. So-and-so, 2019 catcher slash infielder. You know, so the year, the position's good, but, man, I'd like to see something specific to my school because for all, like this 2019 catcher infielder, for all I know, she's from California writing 300 different schools, and the second I see that, it's deleted. Right, and plus, you know, you also have – you know, there's a lot of companies out there now that's like, in fact, I tell you what, Jude, I seen an app the other day. I was going through apps looking. Do you know there is an app that is made for young ladies to download on their phone, and it has every coach's email address for every college uh, uh, there is, and it's an app, and they can actually use that app to send an email two specific schools hmm. by clicking on it. Yeah. Hey, and, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, I, I just seen it. I, I, was, I, was, I wasn't really, like, bored because I just don't look at apps to look at apps. But, oh, okay. I was trying to download a stupid app. Well, I shouldn't say this. That 
was required for me to do at work because we're testing something at work, and I could not get that out to work, and I called him up and said, listen, if you're expecting us to let the public use this thing, just let me straighten you guys up. I can't even get this thing to work, and if I can't get it to work, there's no way that, uh, you know, that a regular customer is going to get to work. Well, there was a couple comments up here, Joe, and I want to far off, uh, and you can make a comment if you want to. I guess number three... It says, I don't understand why kids would choose a D1 and never really make an impact at the D1 level when they could go to D1 school like Iceland Hilldale and and make make an impact. What do you think? Well, you know, I get I, I hear that all the time, yeah, and, um, and the answer I think is when somebody say chooses a D1 over a D2 or D2 over a D3 or whatever it might be. Um, they think they're going to make the impact at the level they choose. In other words, I mean, let's take somebody who's maybe sat the bench at D1 for three years. She's a junior, still sitting bench. can guarantee when she chose to go to that D1 school, she thought she was going to be a starter. And I don't think anybody says, okay, I'm going to go, you know, to this school. I'm never going to start, um, but I'm going to go there anyway and sit bench for four years. You might get like a walk-on at Michigan or, you know, something like that. Who knows that, you know, maybe the – Carol Hudson tells them, look, you're never going to start here. You're a pinch runner. I mean, you might get the occasional kid like that, but generally somebody that signs with whatever school they sign with, they think they're probably going to end up starting and probably sooner rather than later, especially especially nowadays. I was just reading an article yesterday on how many college men's college basketball players at D1 are transferring, and it's like three times as many as it was just five or seven years ago. And because everybody thinks they're going to play immediately, and then they don't, and out the door they go. And you know, that happens in softball, too. I mean, it's, you know, what I find is a lot of girls will stick it through their freshman year not playing and, and not be happy. And if they're not starting by their sophomore year, they're done. It's just, all right, that's it, I'm done. I'm not going to fight for a position. And if I can't start by now, because certainly they deserve to start in their minds. And uh, that, that's just the way it is now. <laughs> I mean, and. You know, it's uh, you can't tell them any different. I mean, it doesn't matter. The whole coaching staff is, you know, saying, "Look, you know, we're in total agreement. You do not deserve to be a starter right now." Well, I think I do, and you know, my dad. I mean, they don't literally say this, but my dad says this, and and you know, you guys have it in for me, and you know, you get that all the time. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I actually kind of got an email um, about actually just kind of what you talked about, but it wasn't at the college level, but was about the fact that, you know, uh, they think that their player should be playing and starting, and they feel like they got slighted by the team they're on because they paid all the same fees, but, you know, yet their daughter's not getting to participate and play as much on the field. And they actually admitted to me that their daughter's probably one of the weakest players on the team, and I – and. You know, and when I replied to him, I said, you know, then she needs to develop, and and you also need to set back, you know, really be able to evaluate your daughter, truly, and not from the fact that she's just your daughter, but as a player. And, you know, as a parent, that's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, you know, you got a lot invested in your kid. You love them. They mean the real to you. You know, it's kind of hard to, to, to... now, of course, if you ask my daughter that, she'll say I'm feeding. I'm, what I'm saying right now is a line of Berlarkey. because because <laughs> I. <laughs> but anyway, so um, another question here that we got, um, you know, and I and I think we may have talked about this, but there's no reason we couldn't cover it again. Um, what percentage of what percentage of kids and parents get a reality check in college versus the ones that already know? the reality checks coming, and, and, and I actually uh, had a player that I even told her, look, you know, you're going to play at Ohio, uh, you know, you're going to be you're going to be a Bobcat, you're not going to start your first year, it's just that simple, mm-hmm. you know, you still need some work, and, you know, you, you're going to hear a speech from the coach that's going to try to get you to quit, mm-hmm. and I'll be darned. She heard the 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 coach's speech. The coach got a hold of me. And said, "Well, Rick, uh, you was wrong. She did quit." I'm like, "Darn it!" Well, that was she quit a couple of weeks later. But thing is, 
that there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I don't think Joe, I don't think you go to try to scare a player away, but when it comes right to Rowdy, you have to let him just exactly know where everything stands because the number one thing is they have to trust you, Joe. They have to trust you. you're the coach and you're yeah. going to be honest with them, and that, they need to know that. So uh, yeah, right now is the time as the seasons are wrapping up. Um, I think pretty much all of us do end of the season um, reviews for the players, uh, interviews, whatever you want to call them. And um, it, it uh, so like the percentage that get a reality check. I'd be interested, you know, if we had ten different college coaches on, what all their thoughts were. I'm not sure of exactly the percentage, and I was thinking eh, somewhere between a third and a half. You know, get a reality check, but it's it's not really a reality. I don't know what you'd call it. It's it's a reality check in the form of, well, I really am every bit as good at this level as I thought. It's just my coach or coaching staff that doesn't believe it. So I don't know if that's a reality <laughs> check or not. But uh, you know, or rather than a reality check, it's uh, you know, well, I'm kind of getting screwed here. <laughs> yeah, that's that type of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, they. They do need to trust you, but, I mean, as any coach would tell you, you, you've got 15 to 25 players on your roster. You're not – so you've got six to 16 players on the bench. You're going to have some disgruntled people. It's just – you're not going to have six, six to 16 people on the bench who, yep, coach, you're right, I deserve to be on the bench, and I'm right on board with you. I mean, that's just not reality. That, that's some sort of fantasy world if any coach believes that's going to happen. Um, but uh, it, it sometimes it just it doesn't work. I mean, it, you know, as coaches, I think almost all of us, you know, we want to put the best team out there. We're paid in part to win. And we, of course, we want to win. We're going to put the best lineup out there as far as we think. And uh, you know, I, I I tell my players, look, when I play baseball, I did my share of sitting the bench. I know how it feels, and you feel like how how is that player playing in front of me? Um, so I know what that feels like. But so it's hard to accept that maybe you're not one of the best nine, uh, especially these days. I mean, we get it all the time. Uh, you know, girls coming in about playing time, and it, it uh, that's not going to stop anytime soon. So um, the reality checks are going to keep coming. That, that's why I think John Kelly or Mark Tamanini, you know, on a show sometime in the last year or two, they, they suggested, you know, before you decide where you're going to go to school and at what level you're going to play, you know, try to get some objective opinions, not from your parents, but um, experienced travel coaches, maybe college coaches at a level, or maybe a college, you know, let's say a girl's not interested in Hillsdale. It's not a fit. We don't have her major. And, and I'm familiar with the girl. I've watched her team and all that. You know, ask me, hey, what what level do you, where do you think it's realistic for me to go and be on a team, or where do you think it's realistic for me to make an impact? Yeah, I'll tell you. You get some objective opinions like that before you sign. Get several of them. Then you'll know about where you should be going, um, at least the, the level of softball. But I don't think hardly anybody does that. And, and so if you have one D1 offer and seven D2 offers and you go D1, you might be in for some disappointment because the, the, the number of offers to you, most of them being D2, means that's probably the level you should be at. So you so – you're kind of pointing out the fact that if you're getting a lot of offers from D2 and you got, like, maybe one offer from D1, you really better seriously be looking at the D2. That's right. I mean, there's there's yeah. always the exception, but I can't – I can't. I, I could – I don't know how many. It'd be at least a dozen girls in the last, say, four years that we either made an offer to or were close to making an offer to, and or maybe they didn't have the ACT, and they ended up going – you know, D1, small to mid-level, you know, small, you know, or, like, or maybe a Horizon or a Mac-level D1. And right. almost every one of them, either is a part-time starter at best or not playing at all, or even if they are a starter, they're hitting 180. I mean, I you know, it's, I look, and it's just time after time after time. And I was just looking last night at one, and obviously I'm not going to say who, and nobody knows she is anyway, but... You know, I'm thinking, you know what, this girl would have been not a great, but a solid D2 player. She's playing less than half of the time at D1, never hit 200 in her whole career. And, you know, but that D1 came calling, and there she was. Yeah, well, I tell you what, um, I, I tell you what you want to, you can do. Go back and look at Ohio State football team this year playing, and um, 
if you want to know what it feels like not to play, every time you see him take a shot at Cloudown Jones, tell me if that man was happy. And then if that's what it would be like going to D1 if you're not getting their playing time. You will not be a happy person. But any level. You, you, <laughs> any, any level. I mean, yeah, if you get one oh, yeah. D2 offer and all the D, and that's all you have and all the D3s want you, that's probably sending you a signal that, you know, I'm I'm probably better off at D3. I mean, maybe this D2 wants me, and that's great, but how bad do they want me? And, you know, um, so and that's <laughs> – or it could be, you know, if it's anything, it could be you, you get a top-notch D3, you got maybe one, you know, top-notch D3 that wants you, and the rest are all traditionally lower-level D3s. In other words, the, the type of, the number of offers you get and the type of schools will give you a pretty good indication of where you probably stand. Yeah, I actually think that's pretty solid information. I never really thought about that way, but, you know, when you're getting offers, yeah, I would have to agree 100% that if most of your offers are coming from one division, uh, good chances are that's probably where you need to be playing if you actually, you know, uh, want to actually play and participate and and have some kind of impact. Now we did have a question, Joe, um, about wanted someone wanted to know if you have a contract with any manufacturers for money such as Demani or any bat company, or do you just allow your girls to bat with any bat? I um, guess is the question. No, we- some of the D2 schools do a contract. We don't. And, you know, maybe you know, there might be like North Georgia, who's the national champ and all that. Maybe they would get offered a better contract than us. I don't know. But the typical D2 school, it, I, the offer to us always is um, if you go exclusive, you can buy two and get one free. Well, no, we're not. That's not a good enough offer. So, plus, I, you know, we hit, we have girls that use D Marini, we have girls that use the Zeno and the LXT, we have a couple that use Easton, and, and I don't want to force them into a bat. Now, if we were getting them all free, like the D1s or most of the D1s, I assume, then I might have to reconsider it, but we still don't. And then I have a guy who will uh, sell me the $300 bats for 190 which is, uh, that, that's actually better than buy two, get one free. So I'd have no reason to go exclusive with uh with a manufacturer unless they offered a better deal. So I don't do it. I, I look around our league, and it looks like there are a couple teams who do. And, I you know, I don't know. Maybe they get a better offer than we do, but um, it's just not nearly a good enough offer. Right. Now, my next question, Joe, is actually, well, I want to make a comment. Someone put up here uh, in the chat board, and I don't know if you're actually on the chat board, but if someone put in their subject line, I pit 70 miles per hour and bat 900. <laughs> Let's say that again. I didn't get that. So Someone said, other girl put in her subject line, I pit 70 miles an hour and I bat 900. <laughs> that that would actually be funny. I would open that. I mean, obviously it's not going to be true. But yeah, But it would be funny enough. You'd have to open that and take a look. <laughs> uh, I mean, just forget the batting 900. If somebody's throwing 70, <laughs> that, that that's enough to get any of our attention, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, like talking about the subject line, I, I like the, I kind of just thought that was funny that someone posted that out there because that definitely would get your pitch. Hey, if you just posted an 18-year-old pitcher looking for a team and pitch a 70-mile-an-hour, you'd have every 18-under organization in the state trying to get her on her team. They would they would all be private messaging that person to post to that. Yeah. So my next, then we'd my see how fast question. she really throws. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we got the gun on you now. It must not be working very good because this ain't clocking her at 58. So. <laughs> it, oh, boy. Now, Joe, you know, I got in a little bit of a heated argument with somebody about showcases here two weeks ago. And my point was that there ain't hardly any players discovered at a showcase that coaches ain't already looking at. Now, my question to you is, how many girls have you actually discovered you knew nothing about that you was at a showcase and you actually discovered a player? What dis- well, discovered or actually ended up signing them? Because that's two different. Well, first off, I guess, you don't let, let me go in premises say this way. You know nothing about the player. You've never seen an email. You've never seen her before. Bam, you're watching a term. You're like, my gosh, this girl's a beast. You know, she makes three outstanding plays. 
she knocks the snot out of the ball, uh, you know, down third baseline. And you're like, who is this kid, right? And how often has that ever happened that you've actually ran into that scenario, talked to that individual, and actually assigned them to play for you? Well, I'm in my fifth year at Hillsdale. That has happened twice now. Um, Once, oddly enough, and I can mention this girl because she just graduated and played her last game the other day, um, a girl named Ainsley Ellison who played for the Ohio Hawks and um, went to Lakota. Um, West, gosh, I'm trying to remember, West or East. It's been five years ago now, but uh, and she'd be mad at me if I got it wrong. I think it's East, but in any event, um, I was at, this was after I interviewed at Hillsdale, but before I got the job, I was in Finley at the 16 and under ASA State. And, of course, I didn't have any emails from girls or anything because I didn't have the job yet. But I, I had an inkling I might get the job. So I figured, well, I'm going to go here and watch and start taking some mental notes and all that. And so I just happened to be watching that team. And here's this girl getting on base all the time. And, and I uh, took a look at her player profile. Even though I wasn't a college coach at that particular time, I figured, well, I kind of am, you know. So I took a look at her player profile, and she had the ACT. And it's like then I got the job like a week later, and I forget, you know, whether I called her or whatever it was. But so we ended up signing her, and she was a four-year starter for us and uh, and uh, got a job just recently at a financial firm called Plant Moran in Lansing, Michigan, and had a great four years for us. So so she was one, and um, and we were a perfect fit for her, just coincidentally, the, the school was. And then the other one, I can't really mention her name or anything about her because she's a 2017, so, you know, all we do is have her verbaled, and I'm not allowed to talk about her specifically, but uh, we found her just at the um, Queen of Diamonds just, you know, up at, uh, up at Kent State in January and uh, found her on Sunday, the last day. I, you know, I don't remember if somebody told me about her, whatever it was. So we watched her and was like, okay, yeah, this girl's good. And, you know, we, we need a 2017 catcher. And, okay, this is good. And, and now she's verbal to us. So that, those are the only two that just basically out of the blue. So you say so you're like, You'd be looking at 400, 500 different players, and you actually found two needles in the haystack. So oh, that's think, over five. Yeah, that's yeah. I, you know, it's probably more than 500. It's 500 to a thousand players that were specifically. Right. And who knows how many games? I mean, you know, I'm out. Literally, if there's something going on, I'm out there. And, and whether it was my old assistant Aaron Porter or my new one, you know, she's out there too. So I mean, we're looking at hundreds, thousands of games, even. So I, I don't know how many girls it is that we've that we've looked at, but. Uh, yeah, it's a grand total of two, but it's a little bit harder for us than a typical school because we need a very high ACT. So our, our number of just discovered girls that we actually sign would be lower than most schools. But still, the point is, you're right. That's not normally happening a- at all. Right. That was actually how the argument started. They were saying why showcases get girls seen that never going to have an opportunity. And I said, that's that's baloney. I said, I, I bet you that you'd be lucky in a whole tournament, a whole showcase, if one under uh, one or two players in the whole thing, in the whole event, even got discovered that a coach didn't know already about or wasn't looking at. But then again, you know, I did say on there, you know, if you had like the best of the best teams playing each other, you know, Usually that situation ain't going to ever rise because most of the girls that are playing are already in contact with coaches and looking yeah. for you know, chasing that scholarship. But my point was that a showcase is good for college coaches, is good for the players that are already in contact with coaches, and the coaches are going to come to watch and see how the girls are developing. But as far as saying – it's good for people being discovered. I thought that I I I just thought that was craziness to even think that. Okay, so I take my team. I got four girls that are potentially going to have a shot to play, say, in college, and then four girls. Believe me, we'd already be writing, talking to coaches. We we'd have that relationship. Well. So I might get one girl out of that team. So my point was, you know, you're spending all your money to go to showcases for four girls when you got ten girls on your team. So 
that that was kind of an argument we got into, and I just thought that the – and they were trying to point out, well, there's a lot more girls that get discovered than what you think. I'm like, no, nah, I don't believe so. I, I don't believe that for a moment, but I would like to know what the numbers are, you know. So Yeah, anyway. I mean, it, it's not many who are getting just randomly discovered without showing interest in schools. I mean – yeah, if you're throwing 66 miles an hour, you know, so yeah, of course you're going to get discovered, but or hitting, you know, 280 foot bombs, you know, that might, or, or you run a 25 or 26, yeah, that might get you discovered, but in a typical girl's not going to just luck down into getting discovered. For I mean, you, you've got to show interest in the schools. I mean, unless you're a top one percent player, you've got to show interest. You got to do your research, figure out what schools you're interested, write to those coaches regularly and consistently regularly and you know and make sure they have your schedules and you know and keep up with that i mean that that's how most girls get recruited now i you brought up a point that you know i want to kind of get back and talk about the fact that the players themselves need to research the program you know first you know school let's look at the school make sure that's school has the academics you want but then if you're seriously contemplating playing softball and believe that you're good enough to play and have an opportunity to play, you should seek out, maybe talk to other people that's been there or went to that school. And the reason I bring it up is because I know a girl just graduated D1 player, and she was eligible for the draft for the National uh, Pro's Fast Pitch, okay? And... You know, I was kind of wondering why she removed her name from the list. Well, it turned out the reason she removed her name from the list, she had talked to girls that actually play in the National Pro Fast Pitch and found out what it was really like to play there and decided oh, yeah. she was going over. That made her decision not to want to go in the draft, and she's going to go overseas and play where she can make more money to play softball. So... You know, I, I thought that was kind of crazy because that was one of the um, things that you brought up, the fact you need to find out from the people that actually have done it or been there if that's really where you want to end up. I mean, it's not all it's not all uh, glory uh, playing. I mean, do your girls actually help you any, Joe, with the fields and, and taking care of the fields and the facilities any, or do you actually have a staff that does that besides just Joe Abrams, Abrams, and uh, is it Amy Porter? Ain't that your assistant now? Um, no, but Aaron Porter was my old assistant. Now it's oh, Tristan okay, right. Wilcox. But uh, but uh, no, the, our, our girls help with all that. I mean, they all have a uh, specific job after practice or after games, and you know we do have you know some game day staff and and a grounds crew and all that. But no, I mean after practices, it's completely us. So. And even after our double headers, because my grounds crew's gone by then, you know, I pretty much there are a couple D twos out there where you know the school's providing everything, but for the most part, at our D two D three level, coaches and players are doing, and probably even some of the smaller D ones too, for that matter, especially after practice. Um, so you're not, and even you know a lot of our D two schools and some of the, a lot of the D threes, your facilities, I mean. If you if you're at a big D one high school with, with great facilities, you're probably going to take a step down in facilities when you go to college. It's just the way it is, and you know, some girls aren't prepared for that. So, um, and you know, there's going to be just as much fundraising <laughs> for for the most part, and, and none of that changes. You're playing at a higher level, but uh, but the fundraising, taking care of the field, and all that stuff pretty much stays the same. Yeah, there's the the glamour. You know, uh, the glamour quite ain't what you think it's going to be once you get there and find out everything you have to do. But, you know, the thing, the thing about it, though, Joe, you think you, you look at girls that you've coached in the past and girls that you're presently coaching, they're developing friendships and networks that will be carried out for their lifetime that they'll be able to use that in business, uh you know, and, and just all kinds of sorts of ways. In fact, that's that's a, a lot of people that make friends in, in uh, college. Uh, you know, they usually run into each other in business situations over and over again through their lifetime. So, you know, even though there might might not be all the glamour, 
and uh, you know you're gonna do some of the dirty work, so to speak. Uh, the end result is I, I kind of think no matter where you go to college, that you know them relationships and that you started in college will last a lifetime. As far as you know, uh, especially I think more so in the business world anyway. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, the relationships people make in college, you know, for the most part are are the ones that last through their lifetime. And, you know, if you've got a college softball or any college sport on your resume in four years of it, you know, that serves you well. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the kids that quit after a year or two, they kind of lose sight of, you know, that, you know, hey, I should probably stick through this, persevere, you know, see if I can fight my way into playing time and, you know, at a minimum, you know, hey, I played for four years, I didn't give up, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's that that part of it's just, you know, it's huge, and just the the the, the college athletes, the, the, the maturity they develop, the adversity they go through, you know, that non-athletes don't, you know, I think just serves them really, really well throughout the rest of their life. Yeah, I kind of, uh, guest six has actually been making quite a few comments, and uh, he made a comment. It's your last four years to play. Get where you're going to play. Warming up pitchers in the bullpen is no fun. <laughs> uh, I imagine it has to be referenced to D1 schools because I couldn't imagine having. Well, I don't know though, Jay. You, you, when you have players that don't get to play a lot, it's usually because they're injured or they 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 have some health issues usually, and it and it's usually not because. They weren't good enough to play, right? Well, no, not not necessarily. I mean, we have girls sitting the bench, and you know, they're they're in my you know my opinion and my staff's coaching staff's opinion, they're not better than the people we do have playing. So, I mean, you know, it's we we don't have nine people playing and six people who are all injured and nobody else. So, you know, if we have fifteen people and fourteen of them are healthy, yeah, we have one not playing because they're injured, but. We have four or five not playing because they're not good enough right now to get the playing time. I mean, that's the case on any team at any level. And, uh, you know, we're not just handing out playing time, that's for sure. So, you know, I mean, people, players, you know, don't agree. Well, this is no fun. I'm sitting bench. Well, you know, this is college softball, for crying out loud. We're not just going to give you playing time. you got to get better. It's just that simple. I mean, and we're not really interested in hearing that you think you're good enough to play, that's that's completely irrelevant. You have to make sure that we, the coaches, think you're good enough to play, and you complaining about it isn't going to serve any purpose. You have to get on the field and show us. It's just, you know, right. whether whether we agree or disagree is neither here nor there. Right. I mean, you know, I don't really like using that entitled, you know, the, that entitlement thing, but, I mean, me personally, I, I, I mean, I've actually talked about being entitled so much in the last two weeks, and not even about softball, Joe. It ain't ain't even about sports. It's just about the work environment, right, where, you know, people feel like, well, you know, I've done this for so long, uh, I should be entitled to do that. Uh, No, it's still wrong to do it. It doesn't matter why you think it's right. It doesn't mean because you've been there for a certain amount of time that you can do things that nobody else can think you're going to get away with it. So, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do from the entitlement thing is from, you know, and I know I won't catch crap for this from somebody, <laughs> is because of the way parents raise their kids. I, I really do believe that people believe they're entitled. It is like, how about working for something? How about working and showing that you deserve it? Don't Don't just, it's not a handout. But you know, I just that's just me personally. I know in the last two weeks I've been dealing with so much stuff where it seems like people believe they're entitled to something. And I'm like, No, this is not how it works. You know. So well, yeah, that's you, the, the the thing is, Ricky, that I agree, but the the people who we might think are the ones who feel entitled they don't agree. They think they are good enough. They think they've put in the right amount of work. So that that's the issue. Um, no, nobody thinks they're the ones who are the entitled ones. <laughs> so you, that's why you never get any agreement on it. 
Um, (laughs) I I, I can guarantee you it's there, and it's kind of the mentality of, well, of course I'm going to play. I'm me. I mean, they don't say that, but that's the thought behind it. I played in high school. I played in travel ball. I've always been successful. And now I'm coming to your D2 Hillsdale. I mean, you know, I'm a MAC level player. Of course I'm going to play at Hillsdale. Well, you know what? <laughs> you might not be playing. So it's that. So as what we see as entitlement, you know, they see as they've earned it. So there's, that's why you're just never going to agree on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the whole entitlement thing really just blew away. And I'll tell you a story. I heard a coach. Four weeks ago, he was talking to the parents, and it has nothing to do with softball. And this is exactly what he told the parents. He had all the parents sitting there in the bleachers, and I actually thought it would be kind of dangerous having all the parents together at one time. But he said, listen, this is not soccer. Everybody doesn't feel good when we're done. So if (laughs) if you want your your daughters playing for me, okay, Everybody ain't gonna feel good when we're done because we're learning to play, and if you don't come to practice, you don't work on your skill development. Then, like I said, you may get an award, or we may throw something around your neck, but it doesn't mean you're getting playing time. And I thought for sure, like that was gonna be a really big blowout. And then, of course, the very next game I went to watch, I'm like, wow, that actually worked. I, I don't know how they got away with it because usually, if a coach would ever say anything like that the next thing he'd be doing looking for players or be done coaching because every parent there would have cried about what he said. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, it, then the whole entitlement thing, yeah, if I'm kind of like, I even get that even, I've had that even, I've dealt with that on the forum before where someone feels entitled that they should be able to say what they want to say, and then I shut them down. And, of course, they'll point everybody else out that does it, or done it, or done it 20 years ago, or it's not 20 or 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, and want to know why they can't do it, you know. So, yeah, I think the entitlement thing is, you know, something. So when you get the kids to school, when you finally get them there, I mean, is there still some of that left over, Joe? And how long do you think it gets before all of a sudden that sinks in, like, wow, I'm not really entitled to anything here? Uh, oh yeah, it's absolutely there, and and I like to think the girls I get are way, way, way better than average with that type of thing because I'm getting top-notch students and all that. But it is absolutely there. It's the minority of the girls we get, but it's there, and most of the girls get past it by their sophomore year. Not all do, and if they don't, they have it up to all four years or until they quit. And it's just you, you just can't talk them out of it. <laughs> I, I often wonder, I ask myself sometimes, you know, there are certain things that I would like to have for our program at our school. I'd like to have better, you know, better things in some categories. And so I ask myself, all right, I'm complaining about this. Do I have a legitimate complaint or am I feeling entitled? You know, you know, I stop and ask myself all the time that. And, of course, I often arrive at the answer, I have a legitimate complaint. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, at least I like to stop and ask myself, am I complaining too much here? You know, am I actually feeling entitled, or or am I right? Um, and I think you know it's good for all of us to at least stop and ask that. Ask, look in the mirror. Hey, am I? You know, I feel like I got you know, maybe a player in two who is entitled. Am I the same way? You know, with my athletic director. So, right. You know, you brought up something too because you know you're a higher academic school, and I will tell you 100 percent that the more educated the individual is I'm talking to, the easier it is for me to explain why they're not entitled to anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the lesser educated you are, you know, is like a, a merry-go-round. It never ends. So let's get to a couple of these questions before we sure. wrap up the show, Joe. Sure. Um, do you ask recruiting players, high school and travel ball coaches, if she is a problem, what do you do if they say yes? So do you actually communicate with the travel ball coaches and the high school coaches? Um, the travel ball coach pretty much every time. And the reason for that is, I mean, that's for the most part where I'm seeing them, so they're just easier to access. I should also ask the high school coaches, but I have to admit I often don't do that even though I should. Um, so in any event, you know, I 
I, I do try to do that as much as possible with the travel and high school coaches. And it's almost never the case that they say that the girl is a problem. And, you know, I don't know if I've personally weeded the girls out by that point or what. So, but, you know, if they do say it's a problem, that's, I'm not going to say that's going to automatically eliminate a girl, but it's probably going to, unless I get a, unless I don't know the travel or high school coach and I get a bad vibe from that coach. In other words, I ask myself, oh, wait a second, is it this, this, is it this coach that's a problem instead? You know, so, um, but it just, I almost never get the answer that they're a problem. Um, but, but if I, if I get that answer and I, you know, and I know the coach or, you know, the coach has a decent reputation, then that girl's probably eliminated. Right. Yeah. That, that was a question. That, that was one question. There was a bunch of comments afterward, but that was a pretty good question. Guess six. And, uh, you know, now one of the things he kind of pointed out the fact that, you know, in some situations you could be talking to a coach and maybe lying and stuff like that. And, and I would kind of figure, Joe, you probably wouldn't even bother asking that coach if you already know you might not get the direct, you know, an answer. You, well, I don't know. You, you, but then again, you might have coaches that might do it because they don't want to hurt the girls' chances. Well, yeah, true. You know, yeah, so but, but I think most I, of them want to be honest, too, and not hurt their own reputation in the long run. Well, yeah, but, well, yeah it, it's just like when I was coaching. I mean, you had relationships with college coaches and myself, and I never wanted to tarnish that relationship that I had because I knew it was a gateway that I could use for legitimately giving girls opportunity down the road. And I didn't want to have that to where – that's why I didn't really like getting the, the call from Athens when mm-hmm. the girl quit on <laughs> Yeah, because that even though she's the player to quit, right, I kind of helped cement that girl's opportunity there by mm-hmm. talking to the coach. and Yeah, but I was honest, you know, with the coach about everything. But, you know, the thing is – she did quit, so I'm not. I'm not saying that hurt my reputation, but I'm sure in the coaches' back of their mind, they would think, "Wow, the next time Rick says he has a player, I might really be interested in." I got to remember what happened the last time. And, you know, it's just going to be their automatic. So, yeah, that's right. But, yes, you, so. you got to be honest. So, but anyway, hey Joe, I really appreciate you joining the show tonight. I was kind of hoping we'd have got more people to some people to actually well more people some people to call in tonight. <laughs> we've actually had a little success with that the last couple of times. Uh, we've getting people to call in and stuff, and uh, just let everybody know, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe. I'm sorry, Jeff. Um, you know, just for everyone out there, know that um, just kind of pray for him, his family, his mother's really ill, and uh, fell in health, and uh, you know. If you get a chance to say a prayer for Jeff and just keep him in your thoughts and his family's in his thought, that's one reason he couldn't be on tonight. We definitely miss Jeff. I don't got no one to pick on if Jeff's not here. So, but anyway, hopefully by next week he'll be back on. But, Joe, I thank you for joining us tonight. And, uh, you know, and uh, you get out there and you can get started recruiting, get you some ball players. We will do that. I look forward. I'm going to see some high school games in Michigan and Ohio in the next couple of weeks, and then here in about a month, you know, we'll get started on the travel ball circuit. But I'm looking forward to getting out and seeing some high school games and enjoy being with you tonight, Ricky. All right. Thanks, Joe. Well, this is the Softball Zone Radio Show, and we're going to grab our bags and leave the field now. So everybody have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.